Welcome to the Scene and Take podcast, a forum of all things that inspire and motivate me as a content creator and image maker. I'm your host, Indio the Gaia Rican. As we continue to self-quarantine and shelter in place for the safety of ourselves and everyone around us in New York City and in the United States, we hope this podcast finds you well and in good spirits. So far, so good here in the Gaia Rican household. And in the spirit of helping our fellow man, I once again am volunteering my spouse to join me on the Scene and Take podcast. Welcome to the pod, Erica. Hello. Hello. (laughs) So we're still sheltered in place. Yes. It's getting a little more bleak here in New York City, but we're not going to focus on that. We have been watching a whole lot of television. Yes, we have. Uh, We do have a little bit more time, although we've been scheduling ourselves to do other things. We still have work. Yeah, you have work and I have editing and all that stuff to do. But as sports is no longer with us for now, I am definitely more at home. Yes. (laughs) In the home office. Yes, you are (laughs) more at home. Uh, And so are you. So are you. So one of the series that we just finished watching and we both enjoyed. Yes. You actually recommended it last week for yes. folks to watch. Yes, I did. Hentified season one. Hopefully to be a season two. The rumors are that season two is going to be in the works once everything is. Once production is back up and people return to their normal lives. Everything's back up and running, right? Yes. So Hentified was co-created by Bakersfield native Maring Limus. And it's about cousins, Eric and Chris, who attempt to save their grandfather's taqueria or taco shop from the encroachment of a gentrifying landlord, all while battling the pursuit of their own respective aspirations and careers. It was a great series season one. It hit home for me. But I know when we was watching it, you chuckled all the way to the bank, even though you may not have known some of the cultural references that they were making. But all in all, it's a great show. And let me get your thoughts on how the show went. Well, I I think that you should also include the co-creator and co-writer, Linda Yvette Chavez, who's also a California native and who also spent time, a lot of time in Boyle Heights, where the story takes place. It's definitely a great series and great in the way that I felt that it was uplifting, that there was a lot of positivity in the show and some of the themes, that it wasn't a bleak portrayal of an immigrant family that we too often see. There was a lot of funny moments, a lot of a lot of poignant moments, you know, not to give away any spoilers because I want the listeners to go and take a look at the show and and make their own decision about whether the show was great or not you know form their own opinion about the show definitely I think one of the things to talk about though is the fact that they do touch upon different themes of the community and obviously it being called gentefied which is the Spanish way of of not saying gentrification but gente meaning people and with the 
with the suffix of fied in there and, you know, the, the gentrification part, gentrified. We're looking at what is essentially happening in one of our communities here in the Bronx, in the South Bronx, and that there are developers coming in, some who have a little more insensitivity than others. Some are trying to attempt to stay within the community and engage with the community, as are some developers here. And you have the same thing happening in, in Hentified. And then you have that push and pull between one of the characters, Anna, who's a female cousin of the two main characters of the Taqueria and Chris and Eric. She's an artist and she's a starving artist. She's just creating her work. And so far, she hasn't been able to monetize her passion and what she wants to do with her artwork. And now you have where there's someone coming in, a developer, a landlord, and saying, hey, why don't you throw up your art on this wall and go at it. And now we have a situation where the current tenant, a little bodega type of place, the abuelita that's in there, the proprietor, she feels disrespected because she didn't get approached about the project. I think what the show does really well is that it really, it doesn't take a position on gentrification. It shows both sides. It shows the side where there could be some good with developers coming in and beautifying blighted areas. So in this instance, a wall that may have been just blank, here's an opportunity to put artwork up and beautify the neighborhood. The other part of it is the respect of the culture of the neighborhood, of the people that have been there and this is their community and showing how they're responding to these new developers and new people coming in and seeming like they're taking over. I think a perfect example is with the Botanica the owner of the Botanica, rather than hold on to what her store was traditionally known for, she remarketed herself as being new age and upped her clientele. And I think that that's what the show does really well. It shows both sides of the gentrification issue and doesn't and doesn't pick a side. Right. And I think also, too, to that point with the Botanica owner, she's able to impart at least her experiences thus far because she's a little ahead of the curve than the proprietor of the taqueria and abuelo and pop. So he's taking heed to what she's saying and taking her advice because it is, in fact, working. And so in order for him to get ahead of the curve as well, he had to do some changes. And that's where... Chris, the character Chris comes in, who is his grandson, Pop's grandson, had gone to school, Boise State, which is a little different for someone from Boyle Heights, California, and comes back home only to be having to, I want to find the word, not defend his Mexican-American identity, but he almost has to because yes. of the fact that he has this college education. He's a little lighter in complexion. He doesn't have indigenous look to him. And so there is a poignant moment between some of the workers in the kitchen that he works with because he's an aspiring chef in that they have a competition for him to see if he can, he, he has to, really he has the Mexican test, right? He right. has the Mexican test. There are a lot of Latinx 
younger people who often have to go through that because now after even first generation, second generation, the language is gone. A lot of the old cultural things that used to go on in the household are no longer because now it's not the norm for the woman to have to stay home and just take care of the home. Now women are working and have their own professional careers and have their own paths that they hold. So the dynamic at home is different than what it used to be 30, 40 years ago. Right. Well, I think it's different because there are people who have come to this country who look to assimilate. So they didn't pass on their culture and part of that culture being their language and their traditions because they wanted their children to be American and they wanted them to be of American culture, not realizing or really not valuing the cultures and the communities that they came from. So now you see people who are now, but now you have some older cultures that just feel they look down upon the younger generation if they didn't take the time to learn the language, but they may have come from a family who wanted to assimilate. I think with the character Chris, he's put down because he did leave. He left Los Angeles. He went to Boise State. I'm sure Boise State is not the most diversified school. So they feel that he abandoned his culture because he's come back to the taqueria and he wants all organic ingredients and he's looking to change the menu to try to inspire new customers to come in and and give the taqueria business. But because it's a total about face from what his family views as traditional Mexican culture and Mexican cuisine, he's put down for that. I mean, he's put down, he, they call him a papa. You know, he's a potato because he's brown on the outside, but white on the inside, which is, it's insulting because he is Mexican and he, and he is he does represent his culture. Yeah. And I think that's something that resonates with Latinos across the board, because while some people generalize Latins to be one thing, all Mexican, back in the day was an area where everybody was a Puerto Rican. And now people are realizing that within those who speak the Spanish language, there are a multitude of cultures. Hondureño, Guatemala, El Salvador, all the Central American countries, South American countries, Colombia, Venezuela. You know, you have the Caribbean, Puerto Rico, DR. So every Latin culture is a little different in the way they move and operate. But this resonates with everyone, I believe, across the board, because there's a degree of having those kind of feelings where you don't fit in with your own culture because now you're trying to intertwine American culture with your ancestral culture. And the older generation has issues with just kind of taking it away. And we see now in this environment where people are getting harassed for speaking another language out in public and all that stuff. So that was one of the themes that I thought resonated, at least with me. And I remember those times when I was in college in the Midwest. And it was a cultural shock for me to have gone from New York City to the Midwest. But then you have Puerto Ricans from the island there 
And then because I was hanging out with a certain crowd. And then when I did say my mom is Puerto Rican, they was like, oh, but you're from Maya Fuera. You're from the outside. So then there was that barrier between me and those that I thought were a part of my culture too. But apparently being from outside of the island, you were, you was looked upon as an outsider too. Right. What other theme did you see in this series that resonated with you? Well, we, we sort of touched on the generation gap and the difference between the younger and the older culture. Um, one of the, you brought up Anna's character, her relationship with her mother, I found really to be very interesting because Anna also has a younger sister, Nayeli. And so her mother is working. Anna is trying to monetize her her painting, but someone has to care for Nayeli because Nayeli is school age. So that responsibility falls to Anna. And I understand that that's, a, that's very much a cultural thing, but I also looked at it as like, you know, Nayeli is not really Anna's responsibility. That's her younger sister. And then her mother is expecting Anna to just automatically help out. But what was interesting is why did her mother come to this country if she didn't want better or different for Anna and Nayeli? And how is she achieving that if she's expecting them to help her with her work? Yeah, I thought that dynamic was pretty interesting. And I think that was the battle that Anna and her mom had and that she was like kind of looking at it the same way you just mentioned that Nayeli, although she's my sister, she is not my full responsibility. I'm trying to do what I need to do. But the contention was that, well, I'm the one paying the bills up in here and you live here. You need to do what you got to do <laughs> to contribute. And that's another thing that resonates with a lot of Latinos, West Indians as well. So that is something that was interesting for me as well. And I remember we had discussed that portion of it where I experienced that kind of thing with friends and, and family members that have multiple children. And that's just one of those things where culturally kids have to battle. There are so many kids that their dreams are deferred because of the fact that they need to carry on that responsibility that is really not supposed to be on their shoulders. So overall, this is a definite to watch, right? So Yes, a must watch. A must watch. If you haven't checked it out, it's on Netflix, Hentified Season 1. And I think the rumors are that Season 2 will occur. So there will be uh, some things without having any spoilers because Erica doesn't want me to say any more than that. Yes. <laughs> so that you can... We already dropped too many... We, we dropped too many jewels. Dropped too many jewels. I don't know. I, I mean, think. I, I think we've drawn them in. You know, Netflix is not paying us. We're not sponsored, but uh, that's just the way it is. We have a lot of time here. <laughs> Moving on to more Netflix stuff. We're going to look at some April 2020 releases yes. that we are looking forward to watching and potentially having to review at a later time or or just watching <laughs> or just watching yes because just nothing watching. else is on yes this is true this is true so what do you got well uh looking at the list of what's coming in april for netflix i see that all of the lethal weapon movies 
are will be available April 1st as today. And Netflix also has like a number of different original movies also premiering and original documentary. Um, I think there's one and I'm misquoting the name. Is it Murder to Mercy? The Centoya Brown story that's going to be on Netflix. Oh, there's that's a docu- be good. Yeah, documentary. Well, I know one that you're particularly going to be playing, and that's Nailed It, oh, season yes, four. Oh, yes, season four. So <laughs> not too many people are up on Nailed It, so why don't you no, explain I, what I that think, is? I think there are a lot of people up on Nailed It, that it was like a YouTube thing. You think so? Where people started to recreate lots of baked dishes tried to recreate the creativity that uh, some other chefs had done with these very artistic cakes and not quite hitting the mark, hence nailed it. So that, that I mean, it's on season four. They had a holiday season. So I, th- I think nailed it is not new for people. I just enjoy it because it's hilarious. It is funny. It, it does have a very good comedic flair to it. Uh, oh, a, with, co- a comedic flair. Yeah, comedic flair. <laughs> we have Mortal Kombat, the old school Mortal Kombat. Could have left that out. Yeah, no. Django Unchained is coming at the end of the month. And what else do but we have? But that's hasn't that been on Netflix before? I don't think so. It's, okay. it's coming now. It, it might have been on something else. The Cheech and Chong movie is coming to Netflix. Oh, uh, well, we don't need to tell people about that. We don't? No. A movie that I saw as a kid with my dad, Clint Eastwood, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Do you you remember watching that? It's a Western. Yeah. I don't know. For some reason, the old old school heads, (laughs) they like their Westerns. Angel Has Fallen, which, you know, I like the series Olympus Has Fallen, all that stuff. A lot of things falling down. Yeah. (laughs) But when you have Morgan Freeman as the president, president, then you always got to pay attention to that. I did notice that they try to sneak in another... Extinction level event movie, Deep Impact, which obviously in these times we're getting a lot of different movies out there that are dealing with the end of the world movies. Yeah, all these. Because we want to watch that. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess they're being. uh, I guess there's an audience for it. mm -hmm. They're comparing notes. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, in the original category, Coffee and Kareem, the trailer looks really funny and that looks interesting. And I think I'm going to go check that out. Well, I'm going to go to the couch. You're going to go. I'm going to go to the couch and and check check that that out. out. Okay. (laughs) You do that. Thank you. Thank you. I finished watching High Fidelity on Hulu. Oh, that's right. I want to give the other streaming platforms some love. Right, right, right. Um, None none of it's sponsored by any of them, but. No. um, Actually, my free trial runs out on Friday. So so is it going to be worth getting the subscription? Possibly. 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 I did really enjoy High Fidelity. I didn't see the movie or read the book, but I really enjoyed Zoe Kravitz in this series. It has a killer, killer soundtrack, which any movie about music, music or right. any move, any series rather being about music and, and claiming to be a love letter to music should have. So, and the soundtrack really is like, the other protagonists in the series, but it was really good. It was really funny and just a lot of great music in the background. The original High Fidelity just turned 20 years old, right? Yes. And it was John Cusack playing yes. the lead role and on that one. he wrote the screenplay 
which he co-wrote it, which I wasn't aware of until just recently. It's hard to believe that movies that came out in 2000 are turning 20. I mean, it's just, two decades has just gone so fast. Jack, one of Jack Black's first movies as well. That sort of cemented his star. Going back to Netflix and showing them even more love, there's another series, another Netflix original um, brought to you by Kenya Barris of Blackish and Mixish and Grown Up, Grownish Fame. Black AF or hashtag Black AF. Hashtag Black AF, yes. Yes, AF meaning as. So I'm looking forward to that. I will watch the trailer. So it's loosely based on his life and it's sort of like a one camera, sort of like blackish meets the office in a two chains video and we'll credit essence for that yeah. that tagline we we're looking at the wikipedia entry because we were trying to decide whether this was a sitcom or a movie and right. it's a, it's definitely going to be a netflix series, series yeah. so they have some of the episode titles and, and yeah, you got a kick out of those. Yeah, because they all have to do with slavery in one form or another. There's because of slavery, because of slavery too. Hard to believe, but still because of slavery. I know this is going crazy, but this too is because of slavery. Still because of slavery. Vacation is hell part two. Yo, between you and me. This is because of slavery. Yep. You guessed it. This again, this is because of slavery. And they're all written by different people. So these are all the episode titles. Yes. These are all the episode titles for the this, Writers Guild. Right. And this family is a part of the 1%. So they have money. You know, New to against, the 1%. Yeah. Kenya the- Barris has made a ton of money. He's produced and written and has a whole bunch of projects. So it's funny. And shout out to Kiara Boone from SS.com that wrote that, that little tagline. F- tagline. Think Blackish meets The Office wrapped in a 2 chains video, which by the trailer definitely spot on yes and Rashida Jones in it as well which we know she has comedic chops she's done it before and then there's a slew of kids kind of like the Brady Bunch there's about six of them in there and of course every child has their own personality and brings something different to the table and I always think of T.I.P. you know his show with all his kids and stuff like that because it was enjoyable to watch those for a few okay yeah all you All me. Yeah. All me. There are definitely lines that do not get crossed between what I view and what you view. Yes. We established Uh, that last podcast. Yeah. Last week's podcast. So if you missed that, you need to go back one and and check that out as Erica gives her take on things that are 180 degrees. (laughs) My view. In the movies categories, it's interesting that I've, we've seen now that movies that were supposed to make their theatrical runs are actually being sent into the digital realm pretty quickly now. You have Invisible Man that just came out, right? And Bloodshot, which I went to the movies just before. And, and you could have waited. I, 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 who knew that we were going to have this situation go down, right? But it's 
going to be one of those things where other major movie studios are going to be contemplating whether or not to do that. I mean, a lot of them have discussed postponing and have postponed their releases to a later date in the year. Some have done it indefinitely. They just want to make sure that everything is just all back up and running. And you got to figure, too, that the domino effect of it is that all of the productions that would have been happening right now and have to get pushed back to a later date. Now, those release dates are going to be pushed back. And so what does that do for movies like the Marvel Universe and all of those big budget over two hundred fifty million dollar budget movies? What does that do for them in the near future? And it's going to be interesting. I mean, every industry is taking a hit, as you know, but in the TV and film industry, especially, there's just going to be this domino effect that we just are not sure how bad it's going to be. I'm not worried about the Marvel franchise. I think they'll I think they'll rebound just fine. Yeah, I think that they will be fine, but they have so much product to put out like the time frame although they have the budget to turn over these things pretty quickly. Yes. And they do have some some great directors at the helm. So, yeah, Marvel with the exception of Marvel I think there's going to be a little bit of trouble in paradise for some of the uh, movie studios, especially those that already kind of banked on the projects coming out on a timely basis to be able to fund and do other projects down the line. Cool. Well, this is going to be a quick and short one. We are going to continue to watch films hopefully i can get some other guests on the line so that i can give e a break from being forced to be a part of the scene and take podcast (laughs) but i appreciate you coming on and giving your take and i will see everyone on the next one peace the scene and take podcast is brought to you by guy rican productions and is available on podbean spotify google play and Apple Podcasts. For those who prefer to listen on YouTube, head over to the Scene and Take Podcast channel page. Thank you all for tuning in, and please remember that we will all get through this together. Hasta la próxima.